the Beyond Tea with Chai podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for inviting me, girl. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm so excited, too. I mean, the last time we spoke was probably, what, five years ago when you came up to CCC to yes. talk to our girls. Um, right. You know, and I... I feel like that session was more for me of anything because it definitely lit a light bulb in my head. Like, wow, I really need to get my shit together. That's right, girl. And you know, um, the crazy thing is that happens a lot when I go to high schools to talk to the girls and the teachers are like, their eyes are wide open and the students are kind of, they're listening. But like at the same time, if you're a teenager, you, you know, if you don't, you don't feel like you have a lot of money or that there's a lot that you can do. So you, you know, they're, they're not as much engaged a lot of times in college they tend to be, or when you get a little older and you get your first job. So it's so funny that you said that. Yeah. So do you feel that, um, I mean, I guess, how does that make you feel when you're out there just, you know, teaching financial literacy and the students are kind of like not engaging, I guess? Yeah, you know, well, I guess it ranges. It really ranges because there's definitely times where I could tell that some of the students are like checking out either because they just don't feel like is relevant to them and, um, or because they feel like they could always figure it out later. Like why, why do they have to pay attention to this right now? They're still young and they can always kind of learn about it later. So usually I, I think it's one of those two things. And um, you know, I, it doesn't bother me because I think at the end of the day, my goal is that you as somebody who's learning from me, the earlier the better because you will never ever ever in your life be able to say, oh man, I, nobody ever told me. You know, for me, I really feel like that. Like nobody ever told me in my life about credit card debt and about savings accounts and interest rates and taxes and investing in the stock market. Like nobody taught me these things. Nobody even talked to me about it or mentioned it. Because if they did, I would have remembered. I would have been curious about it. But I feel like I was deprived of that knowledge. So, you know, for me, I don't get upset or, or I don't get like annoyed or anything. For me, it's more of a challenge to like to find examples and analogies that actually make the, the students feel like they, that is relevant to them. It's even if they're 14, even if they're 16 years old, what, what examples can I give them that will make their eyes open, like pop open, like, oh yeah, that is true. Like that is relevant to me. That I do it. I do. That resonates with me. So to me, that's my challenge is to like make it, keep it relevant and make it feel like real talk for teenagers. Right. So give us a little insight on what you do. Sure. So my first job out of college, I was a classroom teacher. So that's where I started my, my professional journey with like a, a traditional classroom teacher. I taught third and fourth grade. And after a few years of teaching, I kind of knew like I didn't want to retire as a classroom teacher because I really like I love kids, but I also really, really like talking to adults and young adults. So I knew like, OK, as much as the kids like they they warm my heart. But at the end of the day, I don't see myself like retiring <laughs> as, a, as a teacher. With no, me. I hear that. They're great. But from afar. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I, I mean, love. I have one. I have one. I have a son um, and he's great. But like sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Go to your little corner, man. I don't want to <laughs> yes. see you. I don't want to see you right now. Yeah, you need a break. And also it's like it becomes all consuming to the point where I found myself like I will go home 
And if I spilled something, I'll be like, uh oh, Mr. Spinal spilled water. Like, let's clean it up. And people be like, what the hell, girl? What are you talking about? I'm like, sorry, I'm in my teacher voice, like, because I've been working with kids all day. So, oh man, it just doesn't turn off. Exactly. I can imagine. Yeah. So basically, like you said, sometimes you just need a break. And so I realized, like, okay, I want to, I think I want to work with adults. And once I did realize that, I didn't know in what capacity, like, how do I want to work with adults? So because I was still in education, I realized, like, okay, I should, I should probably stay with education, because that is where I got my master's. And that is like, where my experience is. So I started doing nonprofit education. And I was managing a lot of like educational programming that that like every, basically recruiting volunteers from the community to come inside to the public schools in their neighborhood and tutor kids that are really struggling in that school. So like, you know, especially to me, this is so huge because in New York City, you know, there's a lot of people that move to New York City that are not from New York City. And we saw that big when COVID hit because everybody started leaving the city to go back to back, quote unquote, back home. And mind mm-hmm. you, the people from New York City, we cannot leave. This is home. Like, we can't go nowhere. This is where our family is. This is where mm-hmm. we live. And so we saw that, um, you know, that that divide. But for me, it was important to say, it doesn't matter if you're not from New York City, if you moved here from wherever you moved from, it's important for you to get engaged in your new community. This is your new community. So what can you do if you don't have a lot of money? Okay, well, what about volunteering your time? So I would recruit um, a lot of people from New York City and from outside the city who live here to come into the local public schools and volunteer their time. And I loved that program. I loved it. I, I was there for three years and it was great. But then during that time is when I started getting serious about paying off my debt. And that's when I started reading books about money and just becoming obsessed with financial literacy and investing and saving and budgeting and everything. So uh, basically I transitioned my career completely. I just stopped working in education and I moved over to becoming a YouTuber. Like I just started posting videos on YouTube and talking about money. And I would travel to churches and schools and just talk for free just to, to get experience. And I knew that I wanted to be a speaker and an educator around money, money and money management. So after I started doing that for a little while, um, I got a full-time job at a nonprofit that specifically focuses on personal finance education. So we create lesson plans, activities, games, um, tests, and homework assignments so that teachers who teach middle school and high school, they have everything that they need to be able to teach their students about money. That is amazing. Kudos to you for taking that leap and just being Thank like, you know you. what? Because it takes a lot, right? It takes yes. a lot to. And also, I did my research on you. Shout out to you for being a Brown graduate. Like, yes. can we touch on that real quick? Because Ooh. I feel like it's super important as, you know, a Latina, a minority. Are you first generation? Yes, I am. Times two, first generation American, first generation college grad. Look at that. So how did that impact, like, you know, your your several transitions, if it did in any way, right? Because I feel like getting an education from an institution like Brown definitely builds your confidence to a point where it's like, I got into Brown, like, I could do anything. Right. And you also got <laughs> yes. into Brown on a full ride like that that blew my mind I was like I want to talk more about this yeah I'm gonna highlight that because it's important it's motivational I mean my intention with this podcast is to educate to educate and help those people who don't have access to this information so even though we're talking we're focusing on financial literacy which is also very important I feel like that piece of like 
you know, hope for somebody that's like, oh, you know, I could get my education. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, listen, I, I, I love talking about it because I think there's there's like a mix of things that happen, right? Like, first of all, there's there's this this um attention that you get because like Brown is a big school, it's a big name. It's like it's one of the Ivy League schools in, in the US. And of course, once you say to people, I went to an Ivy League school, you know, people look at you different, like, oh snap, like, oh, you must be really, really smart, or you must be one of those goal cutters. And it's like you know, yes, of course, I'm ambitious. Of course, I worked hard. I got good grades and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what you really have to remember is like in this country, everything is all about competing, competition, competition. When you graduate college, it doesn't really matter what college you went to. You're going to be competing in competition against all these other people applying to the same jobs as you. And so at the end of the day, what really I got from Brown was like that I think was more important than, you know, anything really is that there's this this desire to use that education and use the network and the connections and all the good stuff that you get from an Ivy League institution, use that to do something good in the world. Like you, you could, I, for me, I could have went straight to Wall Street, got a job at, a, at an investing bank or at a bank and just be collecting six figures, sitting, you know, going to work, working all 10, 10 13, 12 hours, 15 hours straight. And coming home miserable, but you know what? Do that for 10, 12 years and you become a millionaire and you you retire and you just chill, you know? And in my mind, I'm like, what would I do? What would I be accomplishing if I did that? Now, this is no shade to anybody out there who is currently working in Wall Street, right. banking, investment banking. If that's the route you're taking, if it actually genuinely interests you and you have a passion for that work, do you, do you. But for me, it was just like being first generation, like, I knew that I had to do more for my community. I knew that like just doing that, that type of work, making the rich people richer, like that was not where my passion was. And so I didn't want to just be chasing money. I wanted to show that like it's more than money. Of course, money is a, a piece of your of your puzzle that matters a lot, but it is not the only thing. It's not the only piece. So um, so that's why education always was calling to me. Like I wanted to, to be a community educator. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the thing that made me really lucky was that all throughout middle school and high school, I had teachers that were pushing me like they were on my ass all the time. Like, listen, you we I know that you have potential. Don't be slacking off like your little friends. Don't be hanging out at the lockers and go to class late because your friends don't listen to do you like you're better. You can you know, like they would see potential in me and they would push me. And so if I didn't have those voices in my head, like in my ear constantly telling me like, you know, you have a lot of potential. Don't, don't just like be average. Don't just do whatever everybody else is doing. Listen, like you, you're better than that. You can go far. That, that made me feel like a boost of like confidence. Like if they believe in me so hard like that, I don't want to let them down. And eventually it became my own motivation. I didn't want to let myself down and I didn't want to let my parents down and my family down. So I was always that kind of kid that was like busting ass in school. I, I didn't want to get 70s or 80s. Like if I got an 85, I was crying. I was like, why well, I got 85? <laughs> I, I should have got a 95. I should have got a 100. Like what the hell? No, like I that. feel that. I feel that definitely. Shout out to the teachers though. I remember like it's so important to like believe in your students and then, you know, and help them kind of see that potential because a lot of the times they don't you know like exactly. because of their circumstance and their situation and their environment they're kind of just caught up on survival exactly. uh, which is very common for you know for us inner city kids because for those of you that don't know 
Yanelli grew up in Brooklyn. Born in I Correct me if I'm right. wrong. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's a big deal. Like, we don't really have many options, but to go get it. Yes, right. And That's this, right. And school is just one of those avenues where it's like, okay, I know where this is going to take me if I play it smart. Exactly. Um, and I, I always tell people that, you know, it's so funny because I, I think about like my, myself, a lot of my older brothers and sisters, they also just did the traditional route. Like they did school, they finished high school, they went to college. You know, one of my sisters actually um, got pregnant in college, in, sorry, in high school. She didn't even finish her senior year. She had to finish late. And my mom used that as an example. Like, listen, your sister had a baby in high school. She still finished and she still went to college. I don't want to hear nothing. There's no excuse. There's no reason why you can't, you know, um, finish school. And so for me, school was like very, very important. And um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I got to make it clear, like my full scholarship, it was a combination of merit-based and financial needs. So merit-based was in the sense of like, Brown is a need blind institution. That means that when they accept people, they do not look at the need, the financial need. They don't look at your FAFSA. They don't look at your parents' income tax. They don't look at none of that until after they've already accepted the people that they expect. So that means that they're merit-based. They're going to look at your application. They're going to read your essay. They're going to look at, you know, your scores, all that stuff that goes into the application process comes first. And then if you make the cut, then they look at your financial need after and say, uh-oh, if that person can't, if this person cannot afford to pay, then we're going to have to figure it out and get, and get them here and either however it takes. And so for me, that's what happened. I was very, very lucky to be able to get in, first of all, based on merit, and then second of all, to be one of the poorest kids or kids from the poorest families that got accepted in my year, which qualified me for a special scholarship called the Sydney Frank Scholarship, where... Um, I basically got 100% of my tuition, room and board, and meals covered by the university. Wow. I was very lucky. That yeah. is amazing. Um, I do have to highlight, though, education is important. And, you know, the traditional route is definitely, you know, it's, it's you can, you can already get a sense of what you're getting into, right? But there are other avenues. So I want to make that clear to my 100%. followers. 100%. are different ways of getting it guys you don't have to go to the traditional four year or two year you know they have things like general assembly uh mm -hmm. prescolis yep you know different other trade schools That's that right. can really help you gain a skill and be you know be the person that you want to be like i had students uh, i worked for prescolis for some time and i had students who were making three figures easily that's after awesome. they finished their their program and I was like wow that's amazing it's not my passion but good for you yeah. <laughs> like because people are like oh but like why don't you do that and I'm just like because I don't like coding like what right you have to really love what you do because then like you mentioned in your example earlier about Wall Street you get into that and you just you know it becomes this circle of like misery almost like if you don't like it like it's gonna tear you down that's right um, and that's you either fact. love it or you hate it I never I never met anybody that worked in coding or that worked in Wall Street or that you know worked in a, in a cutthroat industry like that where you got to put in a lot of hours and do a, a, a difficult skill um I never met anybody in that in those areas that says you know my job's okay it's usually like they love their job or they hate their job there's no in between it's like you love it or you hate it <laughs> that's it <laughs> so 
with so much information out there, right, about finances, you know, and I, I've seen it, I guess now that social media is like a thing, it's very easy to come across different resources. Yeah. How do you digest the information? Like, how, how would you um, encourage people to like, figure out what information is reliable and what sources are reliable? I love that question because, oh my God, it's 2021. Everybody and their mama is posting stuff about investing stocks, trading, Forex, this, that, Bitcoin. Uh, everybody thinks they know what, what they're talking about. And it's, it's, it's so true. So, so here's what I say. First of all, two, two things. One is little by little. There's no way that you're going to become a financial expert from today to tomorrow. It's never going to happen like that so fast. Don't feel like you have to consume every content, read every book, watch every every video on YouTube, learn every, you know, read every blog and, and listen to every podcast. Like, listen, this is not a sprint, bro. It's a marathon. You're going to learn little by little as you go to the next phase of your life. You're going to learn what you need for that phase. So if you're in the middle of trying to pay off debt, you're going to be learning about debt management and debt payoff. If you then want to save, then boom, you're going to learn about saving strategies and a savings emergency fund. Okay, once you save up enough money and now you got extra money, now boom, naturally you're going to start learning about investing. And you you get to those things when you're ready, but I, I see too many people trying to learn everything or they want to know everything right away. It's like, listen, like you're going to take your time, okay, little by little. And, and then the second thing I would say is, you got to find just a small number of reputable sources that you trust and, and like that you have kind of vetted, like not the number of followers. That's not an indication of anything. It's the quality of the information that they're sharing, making sure they're unbiased, which means they're not being paid to tell you to get a certain product or account or to, to use a certain app. They're not being paid to promote something to you. And, and sometimes they might be, but the majority of the information should not come from them getting, getting paid, getting commissioned, getting uh, sponsorships and ad money to, to promote things to you. Because that, the reality is they probably don't use it themselves or they wouldn't recommend it if they weren't getting paid to do that. So to right now, social media, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, it's all it's very hard to tell like what's quality because so many people are here just getting money to tell people to, to recommend things and promote things to people. So what I would say is focus on the educational platforms first. And then as you start to get into it, you can put it into your social media feed little by little. So, you know, some really great um, sites like nerd wallet, nerd wallet is really, really good for, um, you know, anything, any kind of blog post article, if you want to read about something around money, NerdWallet is a really great blog. Articles are great. So much information. You could learn about credit cards, investing, insurance, student loans, mortgage, personal, everything, everything. They have everything there. Um, you know, Bankrate also has a lot of great articles. There's so many that, um, you know, if you start there and you just start with like doing just the research, learning, reading articles, Investopedia is also great. Investopedia has a lot of really great articles and stuff that's, you know, easy to, to understand and a lot of information. Once you start getting comfortable, like reading that kind of stuff, then you can start to go and look at social media influencers that are talking about this stuff and see if what they say matches what you've been reading in the articles in the you know on CNBC personal finance on Investopedia on NerdWallet on Bankrate if you read read a personal finance book you know like I would teach you to be rich or get a financial life or um 
you know, your money or your life. These are like famous books about money. And you read one of those and then you go and see wh who, what are they saying on social media and does it match the philosophies and the, the lessons in the books and in the articles? If it does, then you know that that person is giving you fu fundamental stuff that is that is tried and true, stuff that is reputable, right? And it's okay if they throw in their opinion here or there. Sometimes they might say, I know most people say this, but I actually say that, that's fine. But the basis of their um, teaching is really rooted in stuff that is legitimate, tried and true, and like um, trustworthy. Because at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing is that people are listening out, out here to a lot of information that is just not trustworthy and not reliable and um you know that that's what i would say what I, for me personally i find a few people that i really like and i know i can trust them i know what they're saying is legit then if they recommend somebody or they post something about somebody else then i'll follow the people they recommend and then next you know i start following more people who talk about similar topics because it was referred to me by somebody that i already trust so that's another thing you can do as well. Like if you find some people that you do like and you like their style and you like what they're teaching you and then see who else they follow and they endorse and learn from their network as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you so much for those recommendations. Um, but you do have your own podcast as well and you have your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's and talk I, about those. Yeah, you know, I de definitely that stuff doesn't just like start overnight you know for me I was reading a lot a lot a lot I read so many books I, I read hundreds of books about money before I ever you know started making videos because at the end of the day like I don't want to start making videos and have people look at me like oh that's my mentor and then they ask me questions and I'm like I don't really know the answer to that actually like I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to feel like let me know let me know what I'm talking about first yeah. before I start you know going on, on to the internet preaching stuff so once I read a lot about money I started paying off my own debt and the first thing that I had to tackle was my credit cards because I didn't have student loan debt like I said I had I got the full scholarship and um what I was doing in college was all the rich kids that I was at Brown with they were you know going to the movies going bowling they were going to parties they were buying clothes and shoes and food at restaurants and this and that and Ben and Jerry's and Starbucks and I wanted to fit in, you know, cause I was a, I was a low income kid already. So you, you know, you already kind of feel like you stand out cause you're not like everybody else in, in right. obvious ways. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one easy way to, to fit in was to look like everybody else. If everybody had a MacBook, boom, I'm a, I'm a ditch my dough and I'm gonna get a MacBook. You know, if everybody's wearing Uggs, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna throw on my little boot like Ugg boots that I got home at back home and I'm gonna buy some Uggs, right? And so <laughs> yeah. just, trying to like look apart I wanted to look like I fit in and I was spending a lot of money way too much money trying to look like somebody that I was not honestly because I didn't have that kind of money and so I ended up with twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt and okay. that was it's a big regret but at the same time I don't really like to call it a regret because if I never did that I would have never learned about money and become so passionate about money and understanding right. how to you know how to get out of that um that the hole that I buried myself into. No, absolutely. It was certainly a very important lesson because like you said, you didn't, we didn't have that financial literacy before. So you kind of had right. to like learn. learn. Yeah, you learn as you go, you know? And so basically, yeah, when I paid off that $20,000, that was my big flag. Like I was like, all right, now I know that I know enough, not just that I could teach and preach it, but that I've actually done it. 
I did this. I paid off $20,000 of credit card debt. I know what I'm talking about because I know through experience, not just through learning from reading books and, and watching videos. Yes, that helped me, but I actually did this. Like, and so that's when I wanted to start telling my story on YouTube. And I just started a little channel, Miss Be Helpful. I started posting, you know, how did I fix my credit card debt? How did I get out of credit card debt? What I recommend to you if you're starting with credit cards, what I wish I knew um, when, you know, when I was younger, how, um, how I paid off my debt, how specifically did I do it? What does my budget look like? What credit cards do I have? What's my credit score now after I, after I you know, paid off my debt? And I didn't realize so many people we're gonna come to my channel. Like I did, I thought maybe a couple hundred people would care, but like, girl, I, it was like 500, 1,000 followers, 5,000, 10,000 followers, 20,000. I mean, where are you at now with the followers? I I think we just, I, my channel just passed 52,000 subscribers, Ooh, which is awesome. Is I, I never, girl, I never- You're touching so many people, that's like crazy. Yeah, and the thing too is like, when you look at the subscriber count, that's people who wanna come back to the channel again and again, but there's, so many people that have clicked just even one or maybe two videos that didn't really subscribe and so I always look at my channel analytics to see I don't care really about subscribers but how many views total how many people have actually seen my content and that number is almost two million wow. so to me it's like wow like two million lives you know that I've impacted by just sharing my story telling people what I learned and and helping people feel inspired that listen if my regular regular little butt from Bushwick Brooklyn with no <laughs> with no kind of nobody love it knows about money nobody I don't know anybody who works in a bank who knows about stocks but if I could teach myself all of this and get myself on the path to financial success yo anybody could really do it you just gotta know the right strategies and you got to have a lot of motivation and inspiration to fuel you so you don't give up and just start you know wasting your money again hey i already know you're like the favorite auntie how many siblings <laughs> yes. do you have oh yeah yeah so i got eight eight brothers and sisters i have four brothers four sisters and then i have wow. eight nieces and nephews actually nine on um, nine almost nine because my my brother's wife is pregnant right now oh, so gonna be, gonna be nine thank you that's so awesome soon to be nine and i yeah i mean I'm, i i feel like the rich auntie you know like i feel like that tia that like i got you you know i, I want to teach you what i wish i knew i'm here to help you know i like there's a lot of opportunities that I feel like I can provide that I don't think I would have been able to do otherwise if I didn't get my, my money together, if I didn't get my money right. Right. So we're going to uh, dive into uh, our listener questions. So I have a fellow teacher here and she wanted to know how you balance your involvement. Well, I guess this was more because she probably thought you were still teaching, yeah. but um, how you balance your involvement with work and business and your personal life as a teacher and entrepreneur, you know, sometimes she finds that she can't find a balance. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm not even gonna front. So what I do is I try to section out my time, kind of like the same way that I section out my money. You know, I, I do my money, I do my budget, and I try to like stick to like how I sectioned out, like this much money is going to that, this much money is going to that. And I try to do the same thing with my time. Like, like we, we have a limited amount of time. So we have to figure out what are the top priorities. And for me, like I allow myself once, once or twice a month, I allow myself a day where I literally could just break all the rules and I don't care because I need a self-care day. I need a day where I'm like, yo, you know what? Today, I just, I'm not feeling it. And so I give myself that, that, you know, leeway, like once or twice a month, but almost every other day, 
you see me on the grind. Like I try to wake up early before eight. I get, I get my workout in in the morning if I can, unless I have calls. And then I'm working, pretty much working, working, working for my nine to five, which is, you know, doing trainings, training teachers, creating curriculum, making videos, taking calls on Zoom, all that kind of stuff. And then after I'm done with my, with work, then I'll have something to eat. I'll do a little break, whatever. And then it's like, okay, now I want to do the things that I would be doing if I didn't have to do my work. So for me, that's like, I get to make stuff for Instagram. I get to make stuff for my YouTube channel. I get to do podcasts, you know, guest interviews. I get to um, just read stuff. Like I get to just read. A lot of times I just need to be reading. Like there's stuff that I also need to learn so that when people ask me questions, I'm like, yep, I actually just recently read about this or that. Like people ask me about apps or about new companies, new banks, like online banks that just popped up. I'm like, listen, if I don't know, I'm not going to make something up. I'm not, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you straight up. I don't know. I never heard of it. Or I'm just going to do the research and then get back to you. So for me, a lot of my time is also researching, just keep myself learning and staying up to date, you know, cause financial stuff changes all the time. And um, yeah, absolutely, and, then, you know, and very quickly too. Yes, exactly. Like tax stuff, right away it changed. You know, one, one president to the next, it's like okay, boom. Now all of a sudden, taxes is different. So it's every few years usually things like this will change. So you just gotta be up to date on what you're, what you know, and what you're sharing. Because sometimes, like, I'll post a video, and then two, three years later, that video is not relevant anymore because that was from like the old laws. Like that's not how it works anymore. So. Yeah, just trying to, you know, be be up to date and stuff. And then for me, it's like, I I try to keep my life super simple. So I don't have a lot of responsibilities outside of myself, but that is a very conscious choice. Like, it is not a, a coincidence that I don't have children. Like, I have been very purposeful about making sure that I don't have children too soon because I want to make sure that I give myself the time and the space to really do everything that I want to do before I become a mom and I look at mothers everywhere and I'm like yo y'all working hard like mothers out here I first <laughs> yes. of all hats off to these moms because you literally without really like much I mean yeah I guess you have nine months to prepare but like without much time to prepare you kind of like go become doing a full-time job on top of whatever other work you do for money you have to be a mom full-time and so for me I've been very thoughtful about like okay I definitely don't want to be a mom early in my life if I ever become a mom it's going to be very very late in my life and that's a purposeful decision I'm also not married I that's a purposeful decision I love my boyfriend we're very happy together but we both talk about it and marriage just is not a goal for us and then you know I don't have a car I whenever I need to travel I was taking public transportation all the time and since COVID and everything I haven't been going nowhere I'm in this house doing nothing. So, you know, it's <laughs> no, like- I love that. And it's important. And thank you for sharing that. Cause I feel like people get shamed often, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, not having kids by a certain time, not being married by a certain time. Not owning so, a house, not having a car. Yeah. Like, and it's like, yeah. respect people's journeys. Like mind your business. Exactly. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day too, it's like mo- not to, now to, um, I hate being the type of person that says things that are judgmental about other people. So this is not meant to be judgmental at all. But the, the, the reality, the facts of the situation is that when you look at the average person in America or actually in the world, and you see that they have a house, a car, they got kids, they're married, they have all these clothes, they have all, they probably have debt. 
They probably have so much debt because the truth is you can't just buy a house unless you have a bunch of cash. So you're, what you're going to do is going to borrow money from the bank, which is a mortgage, which is a, which is debt. And you can't just buy a car unless you have, you know, a couple thousand dollars or tens of thousands, depending on the kind of car you want to buy. So what people do, they take out a loan from the bank from or from an auto company to get a, a car loan. That's debt. You know, if people have kids, they got to pay for their kids to go to college. If they're going to pay out of pocket, they, they do it if they got the money. If not, they take student loans. Guess what? That's debt. So, you know, if you want to buy your kids Christmas presents or toys or you want to take them on a trip, you want to do things. If you don't have the money, most people just put it on their credit cards because they want to provide. It's not that they're trying to be like um, irresponsible financially. No, it's just that they want to provide a life better than what they had for their children. And, and that is totally uh, understandable. I want to do that too one day, but I know that I'm not going to be able to do that if I, if I jump too soon towards that, that type of life. So that's where I'm coming from when I say this, not to be judgmental, not to say nothing negative about nobody, but I'm trying to not be just like an average person doing like just going through life, not really thinking too much, but just saying, I guess it's time for me to get married. Yeah, I guess it's time for me to have a baby. Yeah, I guess it's time for us to get a house. Like, no, don't I guess, don't guess. Make a calculated decision. Be strategic about when and how much and where, oh, like make the decision. Don't let the decision be made for you. No, yeah, that makes total sense. I, I definitely agree with that. And if someone wants to, to learn and didn't get taught at home or in school, what are the two basic mm -hmm. tips they should know to start on this journey of, you yeah. know, regaining control of their finances? Yeah, my, my two favorite ways, I guess, are very personal. So like every, every, everybody's different, like everybody learns different. But I already told y'all, I was a nerd, you know, in school, I was very much like that nerdy kid. Yeah. So for me, for me, if I want to learn about something, my first instinct is to go read about that thing. Like, I, you know, some people, their instinct is to go look at it on YouTube and watch a video. For other people, their instinct is to go and ask their uncle or their aunt or their dad or their mom. But for me, I don't know. My instinct has always been, if you want to know something, go read a book about it. Go read about it. Because for a book to get published is a lot of work. There's a lot of people that have to look at that book, read that book, edit it, ch fact check the book. So for me, like reading is really fundamental. So I would say read books. There are so many amazing personal finance books. I mean, I could literally do a whole episode just telling you the books that I think are the best, but like for, for real, just anybody could just Google or do whatever, a web search and just search up best personal finance books you know, and then you could do a specific topic, best personal finance books about money, about saving, about budgeting, best personal finance books about student loans, best personal finance books about credit, best personal finance books about taxes, about investing in the stock market. Anyway, usually you're going to see the same names of the same titles of books again and again. Those ones that you keep seeing, write it down and get that book because those are the best ones that keep getting recommended. Um, and then the second thing I would say is people, stories, inspiring stories from real people. When you hear uh, somebody tell you that what they did and how they did it it's, it, it's two things. One, it's inspiration. It's motivating for you. You say, they could do it. I could do it. But the second thing is real strategy. You're getting real tips and real strategies. What they did step-by-step, step, write it down and see if you can do 
those steps yourself. So for me, podcasts are a great way to do that. Whatever, whoever's listening to this right now, you're already doing that. You're already on the right track because you're listening to somebody's story, somebody who's telling you what they've learned from their life and how you might be able to apply it to yours. You don't have to take everything exactly, literally the way they said it, but however it fits and applies to your life, take it because that's, to me, those are the, the best ways to learn from, from reading, from books and from people. Absolutely. That is... Wow. I'm like mind blown right now. (laughs) So good. This information is so good. No, you're not. I just be yelling. I just be yelling. I sound like a person. You're just passionate. Nah, you're passionate. It's all good. People are going to hear it or they're going to hear it. You know what I mean? Like you said, if if it resonates with you, like take it, take that and run with it. Yeah, I really do have a passion. I think a lot of people that you find that are like very, very passionate, it's either because they're just straight up scamming you and they want your money or because they truly believe in whatever they're saying is life-changing. And that for me, it's that one. I'm not trying to scam nobody. I'm not selling anything, first of all. <laughs> not, it's nothing, you, you can't pay me to do, I'm not selling anything. Yeah, Nelly is not a scammer, guys. <laughs> I'm not out here scamming, but, but the truth is I really do believe that getting a certain level of understanding of how money works and the systems around money, like the stock market and different bank accounts and different ways to grow your money and credit and how that works, like understanding taxes, the best way to, to use the tax system in a smart way. Those, those things can really change your life. And the final question I have here from our listeners, what would, would you explain the difference between an IRA and a Roth IRA? And would you recommend opening one? Yes. Oh my God. I love that question because the Roth IRA is like my favorite thing to talk about. I could talk about the Roth IRA forever and ever because it's my favorite thing to tell people. Every time I go to high schools or colleges and they go like, what should, okay, so what's the first thing I should do? Where should I start? I'm like, Roth IRA, Roth IRA. Start reading about a Roth IRA. Learn what it is, why you need to have it. How, like make a plan to start because the Roth IRA is up, it's just amazing. So basically the letters IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. And I know that a bunch of people probably checked out already because they heard me say retirement, but it's not about, it's about retirement, but not really. That's the thing. That's the thing about it. So when you go to your job, most people, the first time they ever start investing in the stock market in stocks and bonds or mutual funds or whatever types of investment vehicles, the first time for most average everyday people is when they get their first like big girl job or big boy job and they get a 401k or if you're a teacher 403b. Um, and so if you, if you look at that, that paperwork, basically what it's showing you is that you have an opportunity to take a small piece of the money that you make at your job through your paycheck before you even get your paycheck, they take a small chunk of it and put it in the stock market for you. And you can tell them what you want them to do with it. Like, should you just buy bonds with all that money? Should you get stocks with that money? Should you get a little bit of stocks and a little bit of bonds and mix it up? You get to tell them when you fill out that paperwork for that retirement account. But the problem is a lot of people don't work a job where they get a 401k or where they get a 403b. Some people are not that lucky that the job just doesn't give them that option. For example, my parents both worked in this country for almost 40 years and neither one of them ever got a 401k or an an IRA or, or sorry, a 401k or a 403b. So the beauty of the IRA is an individual can go open up their own retirement account even if they don't have a 401k, even if their job doesn't give them that option. And if your job does give you the option, guess what? You can still open up another individual IRA, your your individual retirement account on your own as well. So it gives you options to just put extra money into the stock market. Um, And so for anybody who's like, 
ah, she's talking about the stock market. That's risky. Like, all you need to know is that when you put money in a savings account, you might think it's safe and it's secure. Yes. And that's true. But uh, after a certain point, if you put too much money in a savings account at the bank and you're not investing it, inflation is this nasty monster that every year it takes away uh, uh, roughly about 2% of the value of your money. So every, every year your money's sitting in a bank account, unless you get 2% on it, it's not going to be worth that, the same amount next year. It's going to be worth 2% less. And so that 2% adds up. Exactly. And it compounds year over year over year. So we're talking about like tens of thousands of dollars that you can not that you could basically be wasting to inflation if you're all you're doing is just saving up money instead of investing it in a, in a, in a stock market in an account that allows you to access the stock market. So an IRA is basically an, a type of account that allows you to access the stock market through that account. You can put money in there and use it to buy things in the stock market, like stocks or bonds or mutual funds or exchange traded funds or ETFs. There's a lot of things you can buy where we're just not going to go into those details because that's a lot. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. That's like a whole crash course. Um, but there's two types of um, IRAs that most people know about, which is the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. And the biggest difference between these two types of accounts is taxes. And that's annoying because most people don't really think about taxes except when it's time to file their taxes or when they get an income tax refund check. But the truth is taxes is a, a very big important piece of your life because um, you're either, you always have to pay taxes no matter what, right? When you make money, you, you're gonna be taxed on it. If you don't believe me, look at your pay stubs. You, 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 you pay taxes whether you realize it or not. And um, if you're working a side gig, like if you Uber driver or you do like, um, you know, food delivery or something like that, where you don't get the taxes taken out, when you file your taxes, then you have to pay the taxes because you have income, income that you earned that has not been taxed yet. So right. either way, you have to pay taxes. So with the IRA, you get to decide when do you want to pay the taxes on the money that's going into that account? Do you want to pay the taxes on the money that you're going to put in there now this year and just get it out of the way? Or when you file your taxes, that means like, you know, whenever you file or do you, would you rather um, pay the taxes in the future when you take that money out and you go to retire and use it, then when you take it out, then you give some to taxes. So you could pay it basically at retirement. So you can decide that. Um, and so a lot of people say, well, how do you make that choice? That's, I, I don't know which to pay it now or to pay later. Like most people say, I'll just pay it later. So I don't have to deal with it right now. But the reality is you have to ask yourself, which one is going to be cheaper? <laughs> that's what right. you, that's at, the end, at the end of the day, taxes, you don't want to be paying more taxes than taxes. So just ask yourself, which one is going to be a cheaper taxes? Am, am I going to pay cheaper taxes if I pay it now? Or am I going to pay cheaper taxes if I pay it later? And the reality is nobody knows for sure, because nobody can tell you how much taxes are going to be in the future. But if you look at the United States federal ta uh, federal um deficits, if you look at how much money we owe in debt to other countries like China, you will see that we owe billions, of, we owe a lot of money in national debt. So what in the world makes people think that taxes are going to go down in the future? How are we going to be able to pay off all these, these billions, trillions of dollars of debt if we, if we decrease taxes? That, that, that doesn't really make sense. And taxes is one of the main ways that the government raises enough money to even be able to pay their debts or to be able to run the government. So um, most people would agree that they think taxes are only going to go up little by little by little over time and not down. 
So if that's the case, then we should be trying to get rid of the taxes now that rates are at an all-time low in terms of tax rates. Um, the other reason why I would say tax, paying taxes now is better, which if you do want to get the taxes out of the way now, that would be with a Roth IRA. The word Roth, if you think of the R, means right now. The, the year that you put the money in, when you file your taxes for that year, that's when you're going to pay the taxes. You're going to get the taxes out of the way right now with the Roth. Traditional means you're going to be taxed at retirement when you take the money out in the future. Right. So I like the Roth IRA better for, for the reason that I just said, right, with taxes being at an all-time low right now, hey, let's get them out of the way. And then when you go to retire, let's say you see you got $400,000, $500,000 inside of your retirement account. You got to remember, you have to pay taxes on it if, if you haven't yet. So that's kind of annoying because now you have to take away however much you owe for taxes and it's going to be less than what you thought you had versus right. if you pay the taxes now, when you go to retire, you look at your balance and you're like, whoa, I got a I got like three, four hundred thousand dollars. That's all yours. Guess what? You don't have to pay taxes on it because you already paid it. So that's going to be a nice feeling to see that money and know that it's all yours. Um, but then the second thing that I would say, and then I guess this is the last piece because I could go on and on about Roths, like I said. <laughs> but um, the second thing is when you pay taxes and you're talking about the stock market, you don't only have to pay taxes on the income that you're going to use to invest you also have to pay taxes on the profits, the earnings that you make in the stock market. They call that gains and the, um, and the, prof and the taxes that you pay on it is called capital gains tax. So basically you can't just make money in the stock market and then take it out and then go about your business. Like you gotta remember, you're gonna have to pay taxes on that profit that you made. So the beautiful thing about the Roth IRA, and this is only true for the Roth IRA, no other investment account anywhere is, is this true, except for the Roth IRA. It's, very, it's unique in this way. Any profits that you make in that account, you will never pay taxes on those profits. On those gains, you will never pay taxes. So basically, People go like, well, that's amazing. All right, so then I'm gonna put my money in there. But what's what's the catch, right? There has to be there has to be. There's always a catch. <laughs> yeah, there's a catch, and the catch is that you cannot touch those profits or those gains until you are what the government considers retirement age, which they right now is considered 59 and a half years old. So you have to basically lock that money and forget about it, let it grow and grow and grow and grow. But when you turn 59 and a half you better believe you're going to see a nice lump sum of money and you don't have to worry about taxes on that money. So the Roth IRA is very nice that way. And I, I, I kind of think to myself, like, what if my dad had opened the Roth IRA when he moved to this country? What if somebody told him about this account? He would, let's say he would have put in 500 bucks or, you know, a thousand dollars, whatever he could afford, he put it in and then forgot about it. That thing would have been growing and growing and growing with the stock market and making profits. And he would never have to pay taxes on those profits. And today he would have so much money. He wouldn't have to worry about taxes or nothing. He, he could be retiring with dignity and, and with a nice, you know, um, standard of living. But instead, you know, he's just waiting for this little social security check that he gets that is basically nothing. Because by the time he finished paying rent, buying food and paying bills, like there's nothing left. And, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's what happens. A lot of people, they don't think about the future until it arrives, until they're older and they're like, oh, snap, now I yeah. got to figure this out. So if you are out there and you want to, you know, get ahead of things and be smarter than the previous generation was, get 
into that Roth IRA. It is an awesome account. It's the only way you can grow money in the stock market and never have to pay taxes on it. And there we have it, guys. Thank you so much, Yanali, for your time. You're welcome. I hope we get to chat again soon and we'll be in touch. I will yes. definitely link your YouTube channel, your Instagram, all the goodies so that Love people it. know where to find you and also so that they can listen to all this insightful information because your YouTube yeah. channel has a lot of good stuff. I spent yeah, a lot of this week listening to it too. So Love it. <laughs> be in there. be in there, but have a great night. Thank you, Mama. I love it. Appreciate it.